gets. Once you start scouting, it's like a disease. It gets in your body. You're infected with it. You're tuned in to the Infectious Scouting Podcast with your hosts, Russell Landy and Rick Saratello. Welcome back. It's another edition of the Infectious Scouting Podcast. I am your host, Rick Zaratella. Join me in just a moment. We'll be Russell Landy and we'll break it down ACC style today. If you're just tuning in, welcome back. It's another season. It's another episode. Season two here uh, on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. And of course, you might remember Russ Landy from GM Jr. He's back and he's rebranded under Infectious Scouting. So hence the name. If you're tuning in for the first time this season, episode number two, we broke down the SEC preview on our season premiere, and uh, we'll be back with a double dose this week. We'll have two episodes. We'll also break down the Big Ten, and uh, to do that with me today is Russ Landy. He is a scout for the past 20 years, NFL, CFL, XFL, Rams, Browns, Alouettes. Uh, He's also the teacher of the football GM and scouting for sports management worldwide. And he joins us right now on the hotline. We welcome him into the show. Good morning, Ross. What's up, Rick? How are we doing today? Uh, doing fantastic. Anytime I get to uh, talk football with you, my man, it's always a great day. And, you know, we've had a lot of great feedback out there uh, from the season debut. So, you know, Hey, listen, I know a lot of you guys have reached out and uh, you know, whether it's feedback or questions, you have a question, We'll answer it on the air for you um, because that's what we like to do. We like to uh, teach and educate and uh, promote the next wave of young and -and up-and-coming scouts. And, Russ, we mentioned on the first episode uh, your new website coming. Of course, you'll have a publication, all kinds of great scouting, a uh, unique scouting eye and techniques, I shall say, uh, doing some stuff out there that others just aren't doing. Oh, and by the way – had a chance to catch you on the Ross Tucker podcast. Great listen. Uh, for anyone out there that wants more of Russ's stuff, you can go uh, listen to that podcast as well. And uh, Russ, before we get started, anything you want to say here? You know, it's ironic. I did the stat, I did the podcast with you, and then an hour later I did the podcast with Ross, and then I'm sitting there up uh, on vacation in Cape Cod, and for the first time in 40 years, we get a tornado. And it hits, and we lose power. First time in 40 years. Of course, that's when I choose to be uh, up in that beautiful Chatham, Cape Cod, and uh, love it up there, but I had to go three days without power pretty much. No crazy stuff, and uh, thankfully for our listening audience at home, the tornado hit after we recorded our podcast. Uh, exactly, literally podcast. two hours. <laughs> yeah, any pot of the gold at the end of the rainbow, that was it. Um, before we get into a little uh, uh, ACC breakdown, uh, of course, we always like to talk some scouting, and of course, uh, you know, you're back in the mix, in the fold with the media, and, you know, getting ready to get the season started. So uh, what does the infectious scouting schedule look like, you know, entering the college football season? What do you got planned for us? You know, I mean, right now, obviously, the the colleges are just getting ready in a few weeks to go to camp. So what we're really doing is myself, and I have three guys that work for me. Uh, One's a former NFL guy, one a college guy, one that uh, took my course at SMWW and sort of been interning under me the last two years. And really what I've had them all do is go through every roster in the country, whether it's D1, 
down to the lower levels and say, hey, let's get all the seniors at all the major colleges and any really good players that NFL scouts have told us about that are at non-D1 schools. Because my belief is I don't want to know from NFL scouts who the players are at the D1 schools because I want to grade every senior there is in the country at a D1 school on our own. And then we'll come up with our own opinions. But when it comes to finding guys at smaller schools, you sort of have to rely on getting that information from scouts, at least what schools to look at, because there's so many small schools. We're talking over 300, and no staff other than the NFL staff has that budget to be able to go to all those schools. So really what my guys are doing now, each one of them has an area, and they're going through every D1 school, getting every senior on a list, talking to scouts, and sharing that information, if a scout gives them a player in another area, it's a small school. We're just trying to get a list together. And then the list you put together, I combine that with everything we're doing to make sure we're not overlooking anybody. So it's it's sort of this time of year is all prep, and we're going to really dive into it starting probably mid-August, taking a look at some film from last year, and that way we're prepared. And when the season kicks off, we can really dive in and start grading these guys off the first few games of this year. So we have a preliminary board going into like mid-October. Yeah, you know, people don't realize the amount of work it takes, and, uh, you know, especially they see the glitz, the glamour, they see us out there on Facebook and, and Twitter, and, and we're here and we're there, but, you know, they don't see the, the data entry and the research and the initial big board uh, assembly. I mean, you know, we're we're taking a list of 3,500 guys, and then hopefully by April we have a a, a solid grip, a solid feel for 500, you know, the top 500 or so. Um, and like you said, you know, it's impossible to get eyeballs on every single player. So, you know, part of the process is uh, working your network, having the right connections and knowing who to listen to. And I always was a big firm believer in that. So uh, Russell Landy, Rick Saratella here, we're going to break it down, uh, uh, covering the top ACC prospects. We did SEC last week. Uh, we'll do big 10 later in the show and, uh, Russ, you know, before we get into it, you mentioned, uh, you know, one of your graduates from the Sports Management Worldwide course is now working with you. Um, that's, you know, what it's all about because, you know, we've covered the football and GM course. You're not going to get hired and, and be a uh, NFL GM tomorrow, but you got to start somewhere. And I think, you know, I've also used some Sports Management Worldwide uh, graduates here at the NFL Draft Bible, always doing a good job. And, if they learn from you, I know they have that solid foundation built. Uh, but let's give a shout-out to uh, that graduate. Yeah, Roy Countryman. He took my class about three years ago. Um, and immediately after he took it, he was – what I try to do is every class has anywhere from six guys to probably 15 people, whether it's men or women. And at the end of the eight-week course – which is sort of just an intro, just sort of a, hey, here's just the, the little scrapes of what goes on in football and, and, and some ideas as to how to start the process of working in the business. And I take notes on there's usually one or two people out of every week, eight-week class that really stand out. And a lot of time I'll just email and say, hey, do you have any interest in doing some internship work? I'll give you some players to grade, some lists to go through. And Roy was one of the guys who not only jumped at it, but the thing that jumped out during the eight-week course that got me to even reach out to him is he wrote reports that were far better than someone who had never worked in football. He wrote reports better than some of the guys scouting for NFL teams. They were really in-depth. He was very opinionated, and he really got into the nitty-gritty of the athletic traits of how guys bend their knees, their hip flexion, their ankle flexibility, all different things that a lot of young guys in this business don't. And when, when I saw that, I invited him. He jumped on the opportunity 
and he's not only good at what he does, but he's also just he's so like you and that he's a he's a hardworking, high character person. And that's that's what I try to make sure I sniff out when I'm looking at the guys from the SMWW or some women that have interned for me too. Because I just want hard workers that have a passion for it and they're just good people. And that's what Roy is. He he's everything you want in an employee. And while I want to keep him working for me forever, um, I, there are definitely a few opportunities this year in the NFL where they were looking for scouting assistance. And I got on the phone and sold Roy as hard as I could. Cause I, I really think he's got a future working for an NFL team. Indeed. Yeah. I had a chance to catch up with Roy at the combine and uh, ha- have read his work and it does stand. He's an emerging uh, young mind in the business. And, you know, that's a good point that you make there, Russ. You know, I would emphasize one thing that you said, you know, it's not always about being the most talented. It does certainly help, but it's really about the attitude because at the end of the day, just like evaluating a player, you could have all the talent in the world. If your attitude ain't right, if your mentality ain't right, well, then you're useless. And I think that's a big part yep. of it. And, you know, getting getting to be uh, work underneath you and and I've tried to, you know, uh, mentor a lot of folks. Hey, listen, you got to be around the people, places, and things that you want to do and be. Uh, so that's our advice today. Of course, you can log on to uh, the Sports Management Worldwide website if you want to learn more about that football and GM scouting course. They have other courses as well, whether you're into analytics or trying to be an agent and uh, all the emerging esports and uh, everything sports gambling. I mean, they're on top of it all there, so go check them out. And it's time to break down the uh, ACC prospects, Russ. You know, last week we did SEC, which is locked and loaded. Um, but some have stated the case, hey, you know what, ACC, uh, some are starting to argue, is the top conference. We've got the top team. We uh, smoked Alabama in that championship. ACC needs some respect here. Um, So, you know, with that being said, let's dive into it. Uh, Let's take the plunge because the summer's coming to an end. We won't be able to jump into the pool all summer long. And uh, (laughs) top seniors here, Ross, heading into the 2019 season out of the ACC. You know, and and I don't know if you feel this way, Rick, but to me the funny thing in the ACC is when you start looking at the top seniors, you really don't get anybody from the elite team at Clemson because all their elite guys, they're gone. They're going this mm-hmm. the year. So you're really left almost looking around the rest of the conference trying to find guys. Because if you look at Clemson, you think, okay, every one of their D-linemen left the NFL last year. They're gone. Uh, their linebackers are either underclassmen or they're gone to the NFL. Um, it's just it's amazing how much talent they have. So it's really odd to look at the top seniors and say, wait a second, I don't really have Clemson guys because all my Clemson guys are underclassmen or guys I'm watching for the future. So to me, when I look at it, initially one guy stands out amongst the rest, and that's Bryce Hall, the corner from Virginia. I mean, this is a long linear kid, over six feet tall, um, Got into the starting lineup halfway through his freshman year, and he hasn't been anywhere else since. He, he's sort of a guy that you look at all the traits that NFL teams are looking for now in corners that are over, say, 5'10", because obviously the shorter corners are going to always be a little bit more agile, a little bit more explosive. But this kid for a taller corner at six feet plus, he's got the athleticism, the length. He knows what he's doing out on the field. Um, this is a kid that I think not only has a chance to be a first-round pick, but I think he's got a lot of the traits to be a versatile corner who can really line up in a lot of schemes. He can get out there and play man. 
He can play all man off, and he can even do zone with no problem, which a lot of times taller corners have a little trouble being really productive in zone, even though they can function in it. And this kid's got a lot of talent. I like him a lot. He's the guy that jumps out to me. He's the number one senior prospect. The next two guys are two just behemoths of men, and they may not be everybody's second and third prospect in the ACC, but to me, Charlie Heck, big offensive tackle at UNC, is the son of a longtime NFL offensive lineman, Andy Heck. Um, this kid's 6'8", 310 pounds, um, almost looks skinny when you look at him. I mean, he's so tall that 300 pounds looks like about 240 on him. I mean, he looks like a trim guy. He's played offensive tackle there at North Carolina. I think he's got a very bright future in the NFL. And then the other kid, another tackle is, and I know I'm going to screw his name, is Mackay Beckton out of Louisville. I mean, this is a massive human being. Unlike Heck, who looks skinny at 6'8", 310, this kid's 6'7", 365, and he looks thick and solid everywhere. He's played right and left tackle throughout his whole career. He's not as nimble or agile as heck in terms of being able to slide side to side and do things like that, but he's a good athlete for his size, and he has tremendous power. When he gets a hold of a guy, it's over. So those two guys, to me, jump out as guys that NFL scouts are going to have to spend a lot of time looking at them because it's hard to find good offensive tackles. Both these guys have the traits, but it's which do you prefer? Do you want that more long, linear guy that maybe is going to have some strength problems like heck? Or Beckton, who he's never going to be as nimble and quick-footed as heck, but he's got that size and power to be a dominant guy at the point of attack. I mean, both really impressive. And I'll throw out two other guys that are around out my top five guys, both from University of Miami, which for whatever reason, with Mark Rick leaving, I think the national attention was, oh, Miami must be on the downswing. They don't have a lot of talent, which couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, this is a team with a top probably 10 or 15 defense last year. They just struggled a lot with consistency and injuries on offense, and that led to Rick leaving, Manny Diaz taking over. But they have two linebackers there, Michael Pinkney and Shaquille Quarterman. Um, these are really good football players. Pinkney, a little bit a smaller guy, six foot two twenty, somewhere in that six foot six one range. Athletic kid can run. Quarterman about the same height, but a little bit thicker and more stout in the mid two thirties. And these are guys that can cover the field. They're both effective playing out in space, and they can run all day. They're really athletic kids. I think both of these kids have a chance. I'm not saying first round, but they're good, productive linebackers. I'd say in that second or third round area, I think they're both going to hear their names called if they play as well this year as they did previous year. Yeah, you know, I had a chance to be down at the ACC Media Day and Shaq Quarterman uh, in attendance there. You know, this guy is all game all the time. I mean, you know, you you try to joke around and loosen these guys up. I mean, I couldn't get this guy to crack a smile or us. Um, He's all business. If you can't can't get him to crack a smile, then you're in real trouble. Yeah, but I I agree. Quarterman and Pinckney, I mean, they've been uh, impact players since day one there for the U. true freshman contributors. And then, you know, here in New Jersey, uh, Manny Diaz, he's a, he's a head coach of Temple overnight. And uh, it was such a, a weird turn of events because here he was literally uh, re-recruiting, you know, the high school commits while he was, he was literally the Temple head coach for two days. And he did all this work to try to uh, uh, keep the recruits here in Temple. The next thing you know, he's leaving to go to Miami and, I think you hit the nail on the head. This team is going to compete for the college football playoffs. They've got actually some great leadership, not only Quarterman and Pinkney, but as you were talking, I was going through – 
the NFL Draft Bible Prospectus, which will be out shortly here in the month of August, available on NFLDraftBible.com. Uh, Trevin Hill from Miami, look out for this young man dismissed from Virginia Tech. Uh, I've heard That's right. really yeah. good things yeah, about his talent level now. Uh, off the field is another issue, but, you know, those are three key seniors out of the U. Um, so get ready yep. for that turnover chain. The, the the secondary's had a lot of fun with that turnover chain. I could see some fourth fumbles and fumble recoveries and a lot of pressure being applied from these three guys. Uh, Charlie Heck and Bryce Hall, two other guys. You know, uh, I did a hit on the NEC media day. They asked me, what's the value and importance of going to media days if you're a scout? Well, you get to spend some time with these kids. You talk to them one-on-one. You get to know their personality and it says a lot. I mean, it can sway you if you have two evenly matched prospects and, 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 and you know, you're on the fence about who you should select. You know, how they treat you, how they come across in person could sway and determine who you select when you're in that war room. Now, um, Charlie Heck, just real, like you said, 6'9", I think, close to 6'9", uh, 310 pounds. This guy is skinnier than me. You wouldn't know it. Uh, just a huge, huge mammoth tackle like you said and then uh, one other lineman you know uh and and really i forgot about this man um but he too was at media day for clemson they call him big john stud uh john simpson the guard i think he's oh yeah 45 pounder and and that was a guy i when Dabo sweeney was talking you know here's a guy who just came in from day one and you just knew he was the real deal he was a player and I think also Tanner Muse was at Media Day. I think he's a senior safety, you know, maybe a borderline draftable guy, undrafted free agent type of yep. guy, but another smart, instinctual type of safety. And I throw one last guy who did crack the top 100 here, uh, came in at number 97 on the prospectus out of Syracuse, Altarn Robinson, uh, 6'3", yep. 60 defensive end, you know, transferred over from Northeastern Oklahoma A&M where he had 14 sacks, had another 14 sacks with Cuse. Uh, so this guy can clearly get after the football and uh, hence cracking the top 100 overall for our big board going into the season. Now, Russ, as you know, a lot's going to happen between now and then. Uh, look no further than last year's draft, especially with the underclassmen who, you know, can really skyrocket. You know, a Kyler Murray or yep. a Dwayne Haskins, who are completely off the radar, can completely skyrocket uh, during the season. So who are some of the underclassmen in the ACC and, and, and probably more talented than the senior class here? So should we just put all of Clemson's starters on there? I mean, it's like, it's <laughs> right, right. ridiculous how many underclassmen left. We'll have to do a separate show. We've got to do a Yeah, a separate show just on Clemson and one on Alabama. I mean, it's, it's sort of ridiculous how much underclassmen talent Clemson has. I mean, and it's both sides of the ball. I mean, whether it's Isaiah Simmons, their outside linebacker, who – this kid's explosive. He can rush the passer. He's, he's athletic enough to do pretty much anything you want off the ball, whether it's coverage, chasing the ball in pursuit. I mean, this guy does it all. Um, A.J. Terrell, the corner – Another tall corner, similar to Bryce Hall. This kid's in that six-one-six-two range. A, m- a little bit thinner than Hall, but still a long, linear guy. Knows what he's doing. Tremendous athlete. I mean, t- both of these guys have a chance to be first-round picks as long as they stay healthy this year. And then all you do is slip to the other side of the field. And you have Travis Etienne, the running back. And this kid, probably in that mid-five-nines range, 200, 210. I mean, he breaks tackles. 
runs through hits. This guy's got a little bit of wiggle in tight quarters. I mean, there's something about him that makes you excited. And then on the outside, T. Higgins, a receiver, big, tall kid in the 6'3", 6'4", range, over 200 pounds, athletic. I mean, really, you could just say, let's just take Clemson's underclassmen and automatically, maybe other than Bryce Hall and Charlie Heck, Let's just put them at the top of the class for the whole conference because those four guys are ridiculous when you talk about underclassmen. They're not even seniors. They're already talking about as first-round picks. Two other guys I think have a chance to really help themselves this year that are juniors that could put themselves on the national radar to be high draft picks. Dalton Keene, tight end out of Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech tight ends have a long history of being productive in the NFL but not being impact guys. And I think Keene can be a guy that's maybe a little bit more than just on a roster but he can be a producing guy. This kid's got good size. He's an athlete. And although their offense doesn't throw the ball as often as some of these high-power passing attacks, he is a good receiver. I think he's got a chance to be a guy that moves up draft boards. And we were just talking about Miami trying to find some seniors. How about John Garvin, their junior defensive end? Miss a kid who, although he didn't have the huge sack numbers last year, you saw it every game. He was getting close to the quarterback. You saw as the year went on, you could start to see it start to click for him started to have a better feel and understanding for what the tackle was trying to do, used his hands a little bit better as the season went along. So he's a young guy. I think you could see him go from, oh, he's a five-and-a-half sack guy now. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get 12 or 13 this year and put himself in position, if he plays well this year, to really vault up boards to where he has to really make a tough decision about staying in school. Whereas right now, obviously, if he had been a junior last year, no way you'd come out. But I think a year from now when he's making that decision, come January, it's going to be a tougher decision because I think he's going to blow it up this year and really be a very productive pass rusher, not just in the ACC, but I think he's going to be one of the better ones across the country. No, I agree, and he's a guy, I think, uh, yeah, right, I think 54th overall, if I remember on our board, just I was just glancing through it, but yeah. I think that memory is on just the head. scary. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, uh, we, we don't sleep here, man, but hey, 17 and a half tackles for loss, though, and I think that's really what the scouts want to see him do this year is, like you said, finish because, you know, there's yeah, a handful exactly. of sacks. Exactly, convert that, that to sacks, yep. Right. And, yeah, and, and, and there's a handful of sacks that just slip through his fingertips. If he can just learn how to finish now, uh, like you said, that's a guy who could possibly catapult all the way up into uh, a first-round prospect. So I really like Gargan. Dalton Keene, another good one, especially when you talk about a big-body tight end. Uh, that can do a little bit of both. Uh, those guys are becoming a m- more and more of a rare breed uh, as as uh, college football and the NFL evolves, quite frankly. Um, and then, you know, also when I was at ACC Media Day, uh, listen, you know, this is a critical season for Florida State. What step in a, a direction are they going to take? Uh, they had a pair of underclassmen there. Uh, Marvin Wilson, the defensive tackle, highly recruited coming out of high school. Uh, I believe he saw a, a, a significant playing time as a true freshman. And then the lanky uh, wide receiver, uh, I want to say he's either a junior or a redshirt sophomore. I believe he will be draft eligible this year. Tamori and Terry, um, just, you know, yep. really long, lanky guy, uh, plucks the ball out of the, ha- the air, uh, catches the ball away from his body. And, uh, you know, really just a, a, a big target uh, for his quarterback there. And a guy, I think also a guy who could potentially rise as the season goes on. And 
you know, as the season goes on, Russ and I will be back each and every week breaking it down here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. If you're listening in on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio, please subscribe for the new show notifications. Of course, we also do the uh, NFLPA uh, Big Board Show with uh, uh, Dane Vandernat and Joe Everett. So uh, you can find those podcasts if you want more draft information, uh, you know, really focusing on the seniors more. Uh, because those are the guys eligible for the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl held January 18th out in Pasadena, California. And uh, we mentioned Tamori and Terry. Uh, Rush, you mentioned um, Clemson has a slew of underclassmen. Travis Etienne is a good one. Uh, T. Higgins, a wide receiver uh, who's a junior. I don't think we mentioned him yet. But now looking even deeper into the ACC and keeping an eye on the future prospects, maybe for the uh, 2021 NFL draft and beyond in 2020 shout out to Las Vegas 2021 shout out to Cleveland had a chance to visit the Akron program and, and new coach Tom Arth over there and I know just talking to the people in the program being up there for the Hall of Fame they're excited really excited for the draft to be coming to Cleveland um, so Las Vegas and Cleveland but who are some oh, what I was going to say uh, well, I, I don't want to steal your thunder because the T. Higgins ties into another guy that I'm sure you're on, but who are some guys that we could potentially hear their name called in Cleveland, Russ? Well, for, first, let's just, let's just point out the clear and obvious thing, which is if you and I are doing all this stuff and we're going to be in Vegas, I mean, is there anything better than covering the NFL draft and being in Vegas, and being in Vegas with Big Rick. I mean, there's nothing better. I mean, that's literally like winning the lottery seven days in a row. I mean, Jesus, man, I mean, Rick is the well, big cheese hey. in this draft business, and going to Vegas with him, oh, my goodness. Well, well, I did I did live uh, a brief moment of my life out in Vegas, so I have a few connections. I think the only thing Trust me, they know all about that. <laughs> I think the only thing that would be better is if you were hanging out with the first round pick in Vegas because they got the Bunny Ranch over there. They're now offering a, I think a, a free uh, lap dance dances in the private room if you are a first round pick. They're just trying to get these guys in trouble. I mean, <laughs> you oh can't my make gosh, that's bad up. news. That is bad, <laughs> bad news. I can tell you. <laughs> we'll see who takes the bait. On that one, uh, but yeah, we'll be out there, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll have some uh, exciting news and announcements for the 2020 draft in Las Vegas. And uh, you know, speaking of Las Vegas, I do, you know, Russ, I don't want to sidetrack too much, and you know, there's not too many people in the media world that command this kind of attention. But speaking of Las Vegas, you know, I had a chance to exchange messages with Don Banks and uh, congratulate him, the long si.com, and. Uh, you know, just a huge contributor in the media to various outlets over the course of time. And he passed away in Canton, as a matter of fact, at the young age of 56 years old. And, uh, you know, if you're going to pass away, at least it's surrounded by legends because Don Banks was a Hall of Famer in my book and um, just a first-class guy. And, you know, Russ, I don't know how you feel about it. I had a conversation with someone the other day, and, you know, uh, the way I see it is, you know, this is just a void in the media there's not going to be someone who who fills that void. This is just something uh, we're just not going to see too many guys like a Don Banks. 
You're, you're so right. You know, it's funny. I never worked at the same paper with him, but we actually collaborated a few times about 10 years ago on a number of things for probably over, over the course of an entire year. And just the nicest man, just literally, this is a guy that's, when I, when I started dealing with him, I was a year or two into really doing media stuff. I just left the Cleveland Browns. I was starting a scouting company back up. And this guy had been in business 20 years at that point, 30 years. And when I would say, hey, you know, I'm having trouble figuring this out, the next time we talked, you'd be like, hey, you know, I, I pulled up this information. I, I, I went through these things that found this information for you. And he was sort of doing stuff for me just because we happened to mention another phone call we were talking about. He didn't have an ego. And that was one of the things that was really neat about him. There are a lot of people in this business, both on the draft side and just the media side, that you, you would think that they were the GM of a team that won 10 straight Super Bowls because their head is so big they can't even get through the door. And then you come across someone like Don Banks, who not only has been in this longer than most of them, but you would think he literally just started his job the week before based on the way he treats everybody, how eager and friendly and nice he is, and how eager he is to help people. He was always yeah. there to help everybody else, which is a rare thing in today's world of reporters. A lot of reporters are only out for themselves. Um, he really impressed me a lot with his always being there to help, his going out of his way. And although they probably don't seem alike, another guy that's like him, and doesn't get the sort of he nationally he's probably the, the public sees him differently is Jay Glazer and Jay Glazer similar to Don Banks anytime you need something Don and Jay are there and that was, that's one of the things I think that people will miss with Don being gone is not only the quality of his work but much more importantly the quality of the person. Yeah, no, wholeheartedly, uh, R.I.P. Don Banks. There's just uh, no way to follow that up. Just like Peter King said in his column, the, uh, the, the weekly column that Peter King does, if you're a younger, uh, younger listener, if you're not familiar with Don Banks, or if you aspire to work in media, you should know who he is. Uh, so, you know, go read Peter King's column from this past Monday and, and, and learn more about his backstory and just, you know, uh, the places he went, the things he did, uh, the innovator he was, and yeah, his first story for the Las Vegas Journal Review uh, just hit the paper on Sunday, uh, and I think he died later that day. Um, so he did a little inside preview on the Oakland Raiders uh, hard knocks since they're coming to Vegas, and um, just a terrible, tragic loss in the media community with Don Banks. So let's reset. Russ Landy, Rick Saratella here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. We do it each and every week here, counting you down to the 2020. NFL draft and uh, last week we uh, debuted our season premiere show of the year SEC today we're talking ACC we covered the uh, seniors and underclassmen and now it's time for the future watch so rub that crystal ball Ross and tell us what do you see for the potential prospects in the ACC so is there any player that has been more hyped after one year and really one game than Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback at Clemson. His freshman year last year was unbelievable once he took over the starting job. Um, in the college football playoffs, he was a man amongst boys. I mean, he literally looked like a fourth-year, a four-year starting senior who was just comfortable doing whatever he wanted. Um, it's pretty amazing how well he played. Um, if he continues to grow and get better, you have to be excited that this could not only be a first-round pick, but possibly the first overall. Um, the only thing I will caution, and I'm not trying to knock the kid, I think everything he's done on film so far has been impressive, but 
just rewind about six years ago, and after a great freshman year, everybody was proclaiming Christian Hackenberg was going to be the first overall pick and the next truly great quarterback in the country. And then for the next few years of Penn State, he slowly fell down that cliff. So I'm not saying this can happen to Lawrence, but a lot of players have breakout freshman years, especially quarterbacks. And once teams get a chance to really watch the film and analyze what they do, it's really up to that player to really up his game because defenses are going to take away what Lawrence tries to do best or does do best. They're going to take it away and force him to do what he's not particularly good at. So I'm interested to see Lawrence this year. I think his potential is unbelievable. His poise for a young guy was remarkable. And we've mentioned this over and over. So Trevor Lawrence, quarterback Clemson, great future star. How about right across the way the line of scrimmage from him, still at Clemson, Xavier Thomas, a defensive end, wasn't even a starter last year, yet there were games you watched where he literally was the best defensive lineman on the field when he would come on the field. I mean, this kid, he's got some real natural tools, ability to get behind the line of scrimmage, impact the play. I mean, it's just it's amazing what a job Davo Sweeney has done in bringing so much talent into that program. It is truly amazing to have guys going into their sophomore years like Lawrence and Thomas that are literally dominant players already. No, points well taken. And, you know, I have a question for you, Russ, because, you know, I think we've gotten to the point now. I mean, it, Nick Saban has been the king of recruiting for so long. It seems like the last decade or so, nobody could out maneuver or out recruit Nick Saban. Now you're seeing kids come out of high school. Guess what? They want to go to Clemson. Is it safe to say, I think Dabo Sweeney is now the new king of recruiting. You see, you're God and there's no doubt. Yep. I mean, no it's amazing. And I mean, think about it, when he guy, got that job, yeah. people ripped him. People said, why yeah. are you giving this receiver, former receiver a job? He's never really done anything. Um, and look at him now. It's truly amazing what he's done. And, and you know, you nailed it right on the screws, Rick. There have been a lot of talk of years. I mean, Nick Saban is this unbelievable recruiter, and he gets these great classes. And no one until two years ago really started mentioning the fact that Dabo Sweeney may have actually surpassed Nick and really taken the spot as the premier guy that clearly he's doing something special because every premier kid, especially from the southern states, they all want to go to Clemson. It's amazing. Yep. yep. No, it really is. And uh, that's that's why, not to bore you guys to death with my ACC media stories, but that's why one of the questions I had for Dabo was like, who are some of the leaders, who are some of the guys that you look up to and and I put it out there on Twitter and, you know, he talked about his high school coach and he talked about uh, Tony Dungy and he named so many different guys. You can go and, and, and find that over there on, on the Twitterverse, but uh, you know, Hey, follow Russ at Russ Landy, follow us at NFL draft Bible. Uh, I'll close up the future watch with this, you know, uh, the question you posed, who has been more overhyped, than Trevor Lawrence after one game performance. Well, how about his wide receiver, Justin Ross? Uh, you know, here's the oh, good. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I mean, I, I'm surprised he's not out here playing. And I'm sure the XFL would be happy to pay this man, you know, him and Trevor Lawrence. I'm surprised uh, the XFL haven't made a play for these two because of the NFL rules. Uh, you know, three, you got to be three years removed from high school graduation. So these guys, Lawrence and Ross, but I will say, you know, I've never seen an uh, an NFL p- 
pocket passing caliber type of quarterback like Trevor, you know, as a freshman, I will say Johnny Manziel, really good freshman. Uh, You go back in time, there's been, you know, I think Tim Tebow was an impact as a freshman, but just in terms of a pure pocket passer, a guy that you're watching and you're saying, Hey, this guy could play in the league right now. Um, You know, just, and, and continue to defy odds. I mean, they go undefeated. Uh, we talk about the recruits. I mean, they just reload uh, every year, Clemson, and then they just – I mean, they gun down Alabama to the point where it's not even close. I mean, they smoked them. And I think – It's, you know, it's that's amazing the thing, what they've done there. Oh, and, and, and I think that's the one thing going back to the recruiting now. It's like, hey, you know, we, we're, we're putting together our big board here, and it's like almost like, hey, well, you know, some of these sophomores and juniors who haven't played on Clemson on the defensive line – it's almost like you just give them the benefit of the doubt now. Like, hey, these are going to be some players, right? Because, you know, we don't have too much film on them. But you're already starting to hear some hype around some of these sophomores and juniors and say, hey, well, it's Clemson. These guys just reload. Of course they're going to be good. But, of course, you know, as we began the segment, a lot is going to happen uh, between now and, and April. Um, so, hey, we're going to be here each and every step of the way to break it all down for you again uh recapping the ACC. We got a double dip this week. We'll be back later in the week with the uh, Big Ten, Russ, and uh, it's always a pleasure and an honor to talk football with you, my man, and uh, you know, definitely appreciate all the content you're putting out there for us to learn, and again, uh, sports management worldwide, if you want to learn more from Russ, he's doing the football GM and scouting course over there. You just heard him say, uh, one of his graduates, Roy Countryman, a uh, young up-and-coming evaluator. He's now uh, working with Russ, and I've had a, t- a chance to talk uh, with Roy myself personally. I can vouch for him. I told him personally, I, I love your eye. I love your eye for talent. I like what you're putting out there in writing. And that's before I even knew he was going to be working with Russ. So um, the course works. Russ works. I'm trying to get it going and, and winding up the clock. Tick-tock, baby, won't stop. Get it working over here. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Parting shot for the people, Russ, before we put a ribbon on the show. I tell you what, it, it, I mentioned it when I was talking about people I, I try to get for my course and things I look for. The, the biggest thing, and I talk to NFL people about this so regularly, is the there's a ton of scouts in the league, and, and a number of them are quality, but the number of scouts in the NFL that have a passion for what they do, it's gone down and down and down as the league league has become bigger because so many people just want to say they work in the NFL, so they want to get in, but there's not a passion. And to me, that's one of the great things about you, Rick. You have so much more passion than most of the people in this business, and that's not only what makes you entertaining, but it makes you so good at what you do. And that's one of the reasons I've enjoyed the last year, really getting to work together and do a lot of different things together because your passion, it's infectious. It gets inside of you. It makes other people that are around you want to do their jobs better. And I think that's one of the things that separates you from everybody else in this business. People want to hear what you have to say because they know the passion and the love you have for doing this and that you're not going to just yap about a player that's going to be a first-round pick because everybody says he is. You're going to yap about it because you love him. And if you don't love him, you're probably not going to really speak highly of him. Even if he's decent, you're probably not going to be as excited about him because you don't have that passion for him. So to me, that's one of the great things, and that's one of the things that you really even brought out in me because being out of the draft world for the last six years and really working for a team, 
has sort of separated me from it. But jumping back in full speed like I have this year, being able to do it with you in terms of doing this show and, and doing all this stuff, it's really brought that excitement back to me to be covering the NFL draft and doing radio and being back on TV. I mean, I couldn't be more excited to be working with a guy like Rick and heading into this draft. Well, that's, you know, very humbling coming from you, Ross. There's uh, nobody I respect more in the business than, than you, my man. So the, I, uh, I appreciate I'm, you know, very gracious. Uh, for that, but you know, hey, you know what? You, you 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 speak the truth, my man, because you know what? I can't be more excited and pumped up to be doing what I do each and every day. And hey, we could be doing other things, but there's nothing better than getting knee deep into the draft, baby, the nitty gritty. And that's why it's the Infectious Scouting Podcast. Uh, we'll be here all season long. Follow him again at Russ Landy. You can follow us over at NFL Draft Bible. Of course, the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl, uh, which I'm honored to be a part of this year. January 18th, out in Pasadena, California, the historic Rose Bowl will be on location across the nation. Director of College Recruiting, Dane Vandernat. He'll be out there in the field. Uh, follow him, G. Vandernat. He's already making the campus visits. And I do see, you know, we had somebody on hold that had a question. We didn't get to him. 212 area code. Hey, if you want to shoot me an email, RIC at NFLDraftBible.com. We'll be happy to answer your question. And that goes for anybody. If you have a question, you know, drop us a line on Twitter or send us an email. We'll be happy to answer your questions on the air. Something we'll start doing more as the season wears on. Uh, but for the man, the myth, the legend, Russ Landy, I am Rick Saratella. We'll be back at the end of the week with the Big Ten preview. Till the next time, everybody. Once it gets into your stream, there's no vaccine. You've got the sickness, too. Thanks for listening to the Infectious Scouting Podcast.